0: Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. For those that are new, I am Pastor Daniel, and I am glad to have you guys with us tonight. We are gonna have fun. We get to dive into a topic that Jesus put the uttermost importance on. In fact, he was willing to put the world's greatest mission on hold for this. And I just kind of got like pondering as I was kind of working on things going, if I was to give you a life and death mission, what would it take to put you on hold? And I like tried like putting this in perspective. And I said, well, what if you're on the beach and there's a massive stack of life jackets. And a half mile out, a boat is going down with no life jackets. But lots of kids whose swimming skills are not the greatest. And I say, your mission is to get those life jackets to those kids that are in need. This would be, this would be an intense, like, this is life or Death. None of you are going to go, oh, that's wonderful. Can I, can I make a social media post about this before I? I? None, of, none of you guys are going to go, oh, that's wonderful, but I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go rock dinner, and then I'm going to go bring the life jackets out to the kids that are drowning. Um, like, if, if someone did any of that, you'd be like, their kid's blood would be on their hands, and you would be furious. But I got thinking going, but what if I told you, Hey, I need you to get these life jackets to those kids, but wait, I'm going to go get a speedboat so we can get out there quickly. You'd be like, "Well, well, yeah, because if I just grab the life jackets and try to swim them out to those kids, you're going to make laps with that boat before I can get out there with the life jackets. And so you'd go, sure, it is worth waiting to be empowered to fulfill the mission, Because if I tried to complete the mission without being empowered, it's just not going to be the same. Sure, eventually I could get a couple life jackets out to those kids, but it's going to take me a long time. And if they really need them, it's probably going to be too late. But with this empowering of the boat, I could make it. Well, Jesus said that the mission, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And he goes, that's Jesus' mission. And before he leaves, he decided that was our mission. In Mark chapter 16, he says, "Uh, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not will be condemned. And he goes, their life, their eternal life, rests on you getting this gospel message out. So he's placing, like, not just temporal, not just earthly life and death, but eternal life and death on this mission. And then in Luke chapter 24, he's like, you are my witnesses. You're going to proclaim what God did. And he goes, you are my witnesses. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power. You have the world's greatest mission. But Wait. Wait until you are filled with power. He goes, wait for this. I am sending you what you need. Acts chapter one, verse four. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you've heard from me. And I got thinking about this, that he would go, I am giving you this mission, but wait, you need something to accomplish this mission. Before you try swimming out there with the life jackets, he goes, let me get you a speedboat to get out there. Before you go and try to take on this life-changing mission, he goes, you need this power. And as I was looking at this, I realized that Jesus' view of the Holy Spirit and most Christians' view of the Holy Spirit are very different. Like in in most churches today, you know, there, there's like a large group of them who are like the holy who. And then... There's a bunch of others that are like, uh, well, yeah, that's for the like superstar Christians. Like this is what, what the pastors need. This is what, um, the, this is the extra credit for the overachievers. But Jesus views it as necessary equipping for every believer. And I thought, well, why is there this massive gap between Jesus' view and our view? And shouldn't Jesus' view be our view? And so I started looking, going, well, why do we have this difference? And I I think that part of this is a lack of understanding of our role and a lack of understanding of his power or of the Holy Spirit's power. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 is is a spot where a lot of people get hung up. And I've, I've talked to them and they're like, you know what? This person needs prayer. You're the pastor. Can you go pray for him? Hey, this and they'll go through these different things that, hey, this is what's going on and we need you to do it because I'm a pastor. Ephesians 4.11 says, and he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors and teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building of the body of Christ. So whose job is it to pray for the sick? All the saints. That's you and me. That's not me because I'm a pastor. That's me because I'm a believer. And he sits here and he goes, well, this is every believer's job. And my job as the pastor is to help make sure that we're all ready to go do this. But when we think it's somebody else's job to do it, then it's easy to go, well, they can have the power because most people in America think that a Christian's job is to attend church at least twice a month. And they're like, "What, what do you do as a Christian? Well, I go to church. And the funniest thing is when I meet people and they're like, oh, you know, if, if I have a conversation for a very long church is going to come up, it's just kind of, it's just going to happen. It's like, hey, so do you guys go to church anywhere? It's like, oh, yeah. Then you start talking to them. And you're like, so, like, how often are you there? Um, and like, all of a sudden it goes, yeah, yeah, I go to church too. Um, and you can see their brains are, like, racking back at, like, when the last time they were there was. And you're probably going to be like, well, how long ago was Easter? Like, or Christmas, what holiday came more recent? But there's this thing where they're like, well, my job as a Christian is to attend church some. And not to kill people. Um, try to limit my cussing. And, like, they got, like, just three or four things. That they're like, if I don't do these and I show up at church a few times, then... I, check, I have met my Christian role, but that's not at all what the Bible teaches. That may be what's culturally considered acceptable, but that's not what Jesus says. And I love Matthew chapter 10, verse seven. And this is is fun because it messes with me. He goes, Jesus is, is commissioning his disciples, and he says, and proclaim... As you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not, I'm going to send you on an important mission. And when you arrive, your mission will begin. He goes, as you go. So when I did mission trips, this was, this was fun because people who don't normally think like this get this in the mode, they go, I am on mission. So you get on a plane to go somewhere on a mission trip and you realize your mission trip has already started. And someone is buckled up next to you and stuck there. And so you get to have a conversation. You get to be a light. Do you realize that when you go to work, this isn't as you go, that there are people who get to encounter you and they should see something different in you. They should see a hope. They should see a light. They should see uh, patience that doesn't make sense because it's from Jesus and not from you. And they should see, they should hear something different. And it's this as you go. Proclaim the kingdom. And then he goes on and says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. He goes, this isn't, hey, for some elite. He goes, as you go, as believers, you should be declaring who I am and demonstrating who I am. And he goes, this is what we are called to. But if we realize that this is what we're called to, we're going to realize that we need help. And you realize how important this is. So I went to college in Australia and I made a discovery because... Most of us have never been a minority, because if we were, we wouldn't be the minority. So just statistically speaking, <laughs> most of us are always the part of the majority. Well, when I went to college in an international school where 70% of the students were international, all of a sudden, I became a minority. And there was this thing that drove me crazy. When you are the minority, every other person who's the minority, you guys all represent that different group. And when one of them is an idiot, instead of being like, hey, Bob's an idiot, they go, see Americans. And you're like, no, that's not Americans, that's Bob. <laughs> you have idiots too, we all do. This is just. And you get frustrated, but I begin to see something. See, in 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 5, verse 20, it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. I realize that in our world, we are supposed to shine as a light and be an ambassador. And when we're a minority, they look at you, not when you get up and say, I'm a Christian, will you come to Easter service with me? But, and great, please do invite people. But That's not my point. My point is that they're looking at you all the time going, how do you behave? And when they look at you as a believer, they don't go, hey, you made a smart or dumb choice. They go, Christians are X. Ooh, Christians are patient. Why? Because I know that you're a Christian and I gave you a great reason to yell up and explode in my face and you didn't. Didn't mean you approved of my stupid that affected your work for the day, but you responded kindly in your frustration. You didn't cuss me out. You said that was really stupid. Please don't ever do it again. That's going to cost us X. But you handled it differently. Christians are different. They're going to go, hey, when I came in and I was complaining about my spouse and we were, everybody got around and started bashing their spouses except for you. So, you don't badmouth everybody behind their back? Huh. And see, we have this opportunity to be ambassadors and to be on mission. But we need the power to fully fulfill the mission. In Acts chapter one, verse eight. So he's going on from, hey, I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. He goes, you will receive power. And I like power. I like power tools. They're way better than regular tools. Um, If you haven't played with power tools, uh, you've been missing out, but do be careful if you're playing with sauce. Um, no, but it, it, for real, if you if you haven't done much of this, when we uh, bought our house, we had to do some different things. Painting was on the list. And then after all the painting and there was different things we were working on, all of the light uh, fixtures and the plugs and outlet covers all had to go back on. And my wife had been watching the babies for most of it, but she was coming to help me out as we were getting things ready. And she's like, hey, I'll put on the light switch covers. I'm like, sweet. So she's doing that for a while or for like, a long time while I'm working on other projects. And I don't know how long we've been going. She was almost done. And I come around the corner and she is sitting there with a screwdriver. Screwing all these, things. I'm like, love, I have drills on purpose. Here, use this. She's like, Z-Z. Why have I not been using this? And she just like flips off. She's like, anytime you want a power tool, just say so. I'm like, that was brilliant on accident. But it was this, this shift of discovering the difference between doing it in your own strength and doing it with power. And God goes, stop doing it just with your own strength. I want to fill you with my power. And it's this this important thing when we begin to realize it. In fact, and Pastor Duane said this this morning. He went over John 16, verse 7. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That is so hard to wrap our mind around. Because how awesome would it be to be walking everywhere with Jesus? But he goes, no, no, no. What I have for you is better. And then like just, and and it's easy for me to just think that's because, well, if Jesus was actually here, which of us would get to walk with him? And there is so much power in that we all get to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But he actually said this to his disciples. These were the guys that were walking with him. And he goes, it's to your advantage that I go. He goes, what I'm giving you is going to be, it's going to multiply what I've done. And then he, he tells them the works that I do, you'll do. And greater than these. And you go, what? No, wait, you're Jesus, right? Remember? Hello, like part of the Trinity, like you are God and you expect me to do what you did. But in Philippians chapter two, it says, talking about Jesus, that through, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus came, emptying himself of his power, walking around as a man. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says that he went around... um, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. We're going through and he goes, and then in Romans 8, 11, it says, if the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he's equipping us with the same power that he walked in, which is crazy. So I started kind of looking at this, but there's so many people who look and go, that's awesome. And it's kind of easy to believe for somebody else. But they go, but yeah, but not for me. Some some of them will go, you know what? That was for people who lived pre-100 AD. And others will look and go, that's for people who get paid by the church. Or they'll find some group to pass it off to. But let me show you a couple of verses because this is not for some crazy group out there. This is for each of us right here in acts chapter 2 verse 16 they they so this is the day of pentecost which we're celebrating today today is pentecost sunday and this is when the holy spirit spirit first fell on the church when jesus said hey go wait for the holy spirit to come upon you this is the day that it came and when it did there was there were some signs there were these guys started speaking in tongues people were started going what is happening And this is Peter talking in response. And he says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Okay, I'm gonna pause there a second. This is the prophecy that will happen in the what days? Last days. So how do you get this idea that it stopped happening 2,000 years ago? if the promise was for the last days. So they were in the kickoff of the last days. We are legitimately in the last days. And yet there's whole groups of people who are like, oh, that's, that's done. But he goes, no, this is, this is for the last days, which is where we are. And he goes, you know, and, and he, he says that, hey, there's going to be um, empowering of the Holy Spirit. They're going to prophesy. They're going to see visions. And, and he goes through these different things. And then in verse 39 he goes. This is the promise. For this promise, for the promise, is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to Himself. This is for everybody who's listening, for their kids, great gang kids, and for everybody who's way out there. Ta-da. So it's so easy to look and go, but isn't this for somebody way before? And he goes, no, 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 this is for you. This is for in the last days. This is for all those who are far off. And then Jesus promised in Luke chapter nine, he says that, hey, if you ask your heavenly father, he will give your Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit to you. He goes through and and in this list, he goes, ask, seek, knock. This is Luke chapter 11, verse nine to 13. And he goes, everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it'll be opened. And then he compares himself and says, you who are flawed, if your kid asks for something, if he asks for bread, are you going to give him a rock? And and he goes through these, like, basic needs. He goes, if they ask for a basic need, would you give them something that would harm them? And they're like, No. He goes, then why would you think that your heavenly father would withhold from you? Your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And then he goes on and we we see that he goes, it's to our advantage. And still that I think is hard for most of us, but it was so basic to, to them there that they would not give somebody a simple job in the church without them being filled in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter six, there's a problem. They're they're working, the church is is growing. People are, are getting saved and we're seeing like single altar calls with thousands of people responding. And so the church is growing really fast and they're working to be the place that is marked by God's love, presence and power. You're seeing God move in signs and wonders. They're trying to take care of the poor. They're trying to take care of the ladies who are widows. And then all of a sudden, there comes this like griping and complaining, going, Hey, um, there's a whole group of the, old la- the ladies that are widows who aren't getting bread, and, we bl- and they're like trying to blame who's why. And they're like, Okay, hold up. Someone needs to manage passing out bread and make sure that it gets to all the right people. Now, that's not normally what you think of when you think of high caliber ministry. You're not like, All right. Who needs to be the fully equipped with the Holy Spirit group? And you're like, the bread passer-outers. Like, that's not normally the the answer that comes. But in verse 3, they said, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. And it goes on, and it it lists them and says, here, here they pick Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then Philip, and it lists these guys on. They go, this is such a basic requirement. You need the equipping and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Why do you need the Holy Spirit to pass out bread? They go, why would you not use the Holy Spirit when you're passing out bread? He goes, why would you use a screwdriver when you can use a drill? Why? Well, that screw might get stuck. Great. I want the power. What more could I accomplish? And if you follow these guys, it's crazy. Because Philip, who's the second one in this list, you get in just a, a couple chapters later, or well, the next chapter, you find Stephen, who they could not stand against him because of the wisdom of God that overflowed because he was full of the Holy Spirit. And then you find in chapter eight, you find Philip who's, who's going about preaching in different places. And he went from passing out bread to preaching to being led by the Spirit to those that were lost, to being picked up by the Spirit and taken from one city to the next. And God goes, if you will give me your menial task, whatever it may be, and let me equip you and empower you, I'll take you further than you ever could dream. And I'll do things with you that you could never accomplish on your own. And there are some people here who need to be equipped with the Holy Spirit and go back to their work when they go, I don't know why I need the Holy Spirit at my job because there's a bunch of people who don't even know Jesus at my job. But if you can go there with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you'll accomplish something that they never dreamed possible and you'll see God shine in your workplace. And it's this powerful thing where he just makes it this basic requirement and goes, you need this. And when Jesus talks about it, he goes, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. And he will teach you all things and bring them to your remembrance. This is uh, John chapter 14, verse 26. In John 15, 26, he says, when the helper comes, I will send from the Father the Spirit of truth. And he will bear witness. Um, and in 16, he it says, it's to your advantage in chapter 16, verse 13, he says, the spirit of truth will guide you. He'll declare things to you, things that are to come. He will glorify me. And he he starts laying out that we need the helper. And sometimes we stick this in this box of the Holy Spirit is only four. And we stick like, here's the, the nine gifts that we were taught that going, here are the gifts of the spirit. And those are awesome. We might get into those next week, but we often put the Holy Spirit in this box and go, well, if I'm not operating in those, I don't know that I need him right now. And Jesus goes, no, if you are going to live, breathe, move, you need the Holy Spirit because I want to equip you and empower you, not just to have a normal life, but to have a Spirit-empowered life that changes lives. i I think I got going too fast there. Slow down. Whoop. Okay. Um, but it's so easy to think all right, the Holy Spirit is for those things. I was talking to a mom this week. Moms, you need the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's not just because you have to deal with dad. All right, but <laughs> um, we, we all do. But I was talking to a mom and she was sharing, we were talking about a story. There, her son, one of her sons, uh, was refusing to do his school. And she was frustrated and getting to one of those, what do you do? They will not try. They will not apply. And they just kind of were looking to the Holy Spirit for guidance. Because remember, he's our helper. He's our guide. And the Holy Spirit said, he wants to kill himself. And she's like, no, he's seven. That's doesn't even know what that is. The Holy Spirit says, "Ask him." Like, that's like she's like, "I'm gonna like expose him." Ask him. So she goes, and she she kind of like halfway did it. She's like, "Have you have you thought about hurting yourself?" And the boy just. Have have you thought about hurting yourself really bad? I thought about killing myself. And laid out his plan. It was flawed, but he's seven. And he had a plan. He had, well, if he could have found what he thought he could have found the tool, the location, the plan. And the Holy Spirit revealed he wasn't applying himself because he wasn't planning on sticking around. And they're able to minister now going, all right, there's, there's a lot more going on than whether or not you're reading or doing math and get help and get some counseling and get some different things happening Colossians chapter one, verse 29. It says, for this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. God wants to equip us with his power. In our life, we can go through it equipped. There was no way that she could know what was going on without the Holy Spirit. There are so many times, whether it's parenting, whether it's at work, that we need I was, uh, my my wife used to work with me in the youth department years ago, and Wednesdays were a ridiculous day. So we would start nice and early, and then we would work, we'd go to schools, we'd work some more, and then schools would get out, and she had a gift of attracting young ladies who had drama, <laughs> issues. Uh, pick your word. But they were they would come and they would like have back-to-back appointments with her from the time they got out of school until service started. And then we would minister to, to students from the time that they arrived for service. Service would get out and then we'd minister to students for a long time after that. And eventually we'd make it home. And this started and she was like, started to dread Wednesdays because it was like a 13 hour day with severe 13 to 14, but it was severely heavy with all of these girls that she was ministering to because it was, it was not light, fluffy stuff. And after a few weeks of just being so drained on Wednesdays and she's like, we're getting ready for Wednesday night service, which is our big youth night. And she's like, I'm not even, I'm like dreading it because I'm already toast from these girls I'm ministering to. And then the one week, she's like, you know what? It tells us that the one who speaks in tongues builds up, builds himself up. In Jude 20, it says, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So she decided to take a shift or take a section of time between trying to get everything done before the students got out of school and them arriving to pray in tongues. Things changed. She got done with them and she's like, next. Oh, wait, I'm through them. Like, And then it was service and she was full of life. She's like, oh my word, why have I not been doing this? Now I feel like I can take on all of it and I am equipped, I'm empowered, and I am ready to go. But so often, we're missing it. See, uh, I have four kids, they range... Ray, range in age, five, seven, nine, and 11. And it is regular that somebody's determined to do something on their own that I could make happen way faster. And like, you're like, hey, can I help you? Nope. I got this. I want to do it by myself. And I'm like, cool. Because as a father um, of humans... It is my goal that they learn to human on their own. Like, the goal is that by the time they turn into an adult, they are able to function as an adult, and they don't need me to do everything for them when they're 25. Like, this is part of the goal. So when they don't want me to do it, I'm like, cool. Have a go. And if you mess it up, we'll do it again, or I'll fix it when you go to bed, whatever the case may be. Um, and so there's this, this thing, and it's this process but do you realize that we're never supposed to be doing it without God? But we treat him in that same way, and we're like, I don't need you right now. I got this on my own. But we were never meant to do it on our own. And it's this this thing. And when we we go, all right, God, I'm going to do this in partnership with you, we can see the impossible become possible. Uh, A month ago, I got a text saying, hey, we're, you know, we're doing some work in Afghanistan and we're helping people get um, free from Afghanistan. And I got a text saying, pray. Uh, one of our guys has been located with his family and they are sending, there's like one way out of the little town that he, or the spot that he's in. And they have sent like 40 to 50 of the Taliban to go execute them. Um, and so we start praying. And, and I started praying good things. Um, but, but I started praying, you know, just some basic stuff. And you God, pray for your protection, cause your angels to camp around about them. I'm like, I'm praying some verses. And I, I go through this, like, list of things. But as I get through this list, I don't have peace. I have, like, anti-peace. I have, like, he's dead. Not the feeling you want when you're praying for somebody. And so, like, I prayed through everything that I knew to pray. So then you start to pray in tongues. And then came a Bible story. So as I begin to pray in tongues, then came the story of Elisha. When he was in a, in a town, they got surrounded by an enemy army. And his servant comes out, sees the enemy army, and freaks out. And he just looks at his servant, and he goes, oh, God, open his eyes. Let him see that there are more with us than there are with them and he opens his eyes, and he sees chariots of fire surrounding them, and then Elisha speaks and strikes the whole enemy army with blindness. And that story just came up after I started praying in tongues. I'm like, all right, God, strike him with blindness. Like, that's an odd one, but I'm like, all right, God, don't let him see him. Like, and so I started praying that they would be blinded to them and that they would not be able to see him. That night... I got word back um, on what happened over there. Can you put up that video? So the Taliban was on the way to go to where this guy was and this storm came rolling in and they couldn't see them. That was not in my power. I went through and prayed through what I could think of already. And when I did, I had no peace. But after I prayed that they would be blinded to them, I all of a sudden had peace. Am I cool? Because it wasn't, God had something he wanted to do and he wanted someone to partner with him. All right. One One more illustration here because a bunch of you guys were here this morning, and so this idea of the Holy Spirit and some of its need, you, Pastor Wayne covered great this morning, but I wanted to touch one more thing before I I wrap some of this up because there's a difference between enabled and activated. Uh, I, I mentioned to, in a sermon last week, some of the stuff about iFit. It's an online workout program. I've been having a lot of fun with it, and Like you can put it on the screen, and if you got iFit enabled equipment, it can connect to it and can control your equipment. So on the bike, it changes my resistance as I'm going and makes the inclines, declines, all that kind of fun stuff. And they got treadmills like that. I've been doing it with my kids, and so my son, I've got an old treadmill. It doesn't have the iFit, and he wants it to connect so that it can record his stats and change. Like, oh, that'd be cool. I'll see if I can find one on Marketplace or Craigslist and. I started getting on there and start seeing them and I'll see them with like the little logo for iFit on them and I'll ask the person who owns it going, hey, so how does that one connect with iFit? Half of them to 80% of them go, I don't know. (laughs) So your machine has been enabled the whole time but you never activated it. It had the capacity. In fact, I went and looked at one of them to see if it would do what I wanted it to do, which stuff it would do, and I got onto it, and I connected my phone to it, and the guy's were like, it can do that? <laughs> but they had this ability the whole time, but they were not experiencing the benefit of what was enabled because they didn't activate it. There's a ton of Christians in our church who have been enabled by the Holy Spirit, but they haven't activated it. Or they did once. They were at a service, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues, and that's been a long time. If you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you do not speak in tongues daily, I have a challenge for you. I want you to get out your phone and set an alarm for whatever time works for you. And when that alarm goes off, I want you to pray in tongues for the amount of time that you decide today. So whether it's going, hey, 60 seconds is going to beat my record. Or you want to go, hey, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you want to set. Set an alarm. And when it goes off, go, this is my daily reminder that I want to not just be enabled, but I want to be activated and equipped with the power. But then there's a bunch in here who say, you know what? I don't, I, I don't know that I'm Holy Spirit enabled. I need to receive this gift that Jesus said that he wants to, to give. I want to give you an opportunity to give. But before I do, in John 14, Jesus says, you know, I, and the, uh, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper To be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are not yet ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I want to give an opportunity for those who need to make Jesus their Lord, those who want to know that they're in a right relationship with God, and then I want to give an opportunity to those who say, hey, I want the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to be equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here, first off, and you say, you know what, today I want to know that I'm right with God. You may know a lot about God, but you say, you know what, I I am not living right with God, and I need to. This first call is for you, whether you're here or whether you're watching online. Say, so today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, and this is for you. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hands. So that's me. I want. To, I want. I see your hand and your hand. I want to make God the Lord of my life. I want to live for Him. Awesome. All right. We're gonna start. We're gonna say a prayer for you. So whether you raise your hand or whether you say, I've done that before, then join us as we declare Jesus to be our Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I believe that you died and rose again. I believe that your blood washed me clean. I choose to live for you. I declare that you are my Lord In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.